Hey guys, we're starting the journey here in Caesarea Philippi. This is one of the northernmost parts of Israel. This is the base of Mount Hermon and it's one of the coolest places. And the reason we wanted to start it here is because what's behind me, that big hole right there is called the Gates of Hades and, or the Gates of Hell. And you'll understand the significance of it in just a second. And this is also the very beginning point of the Jordan River. It flows down into the Sea of Galilee and then breaks out of the Sea of Galilee, flows all the way to the Dead Sea. Now, there's two significant things about this, and this is why we wanted to take you up here. Jesus takes a three-day journey from the Galilee region in Capernaum and, and walks up here, and it's mountainous, it's hard to get up here. But to understand the significance of this, there was a temple on the outside of the gates of Hades, and, and, and it would spit out, and it would smoke, and it was crazy. And orgies would take place, they would sacrifice children in this place. This is the place that I can't even describe the pagan worship that would take place, but no one would come up to this place. And yet Jesus decided to take his disciples up here. And the Bible says in Matthew chapter 16, verse 13, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, right here, he asked his disciples, who do people say I am? Who do people say the Son of Man is? And some say John the Baptist and others say Elijah, still others say Jeremiah, one of the prophets. And he said, but what about you? Who do you say that I am? That is the question that we all have to ask. Who do you say that Jesus is? Standing in this pagan worship, this, this shrine, this temple, where, where it was just a horrible, horrible place where no one would have come. It would have made so much more sense for Jesus to ask this in Jerusalem, but he started the foundations of the church here where no one else would have come. And then Simon Peter said, you're the Christ the son of the living God. And Jesus said, blessed are you, Simon of Jonah. For this was not revealed to you by man, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you, Peter, that on this rock, and he pointed right here, on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of Hades, that was literally what that was called, will not prevail against it. And, and this is the significant thing that I want you to understand, a couple things. Number one, this is the very beginning the very beginning of the Jordan River. And the Jordan means new beginnings. So isn't it interesting that, it, that in the new beginnings of the Jordan River and the most pagan place at the time on the planet is where Jesus came up and said, and can you imagine in, in the background with all this stuff taking place that he was saying, I, I want you to describe for me, who, who do you think that I am? And they would have been looking up and seeing all this pagan worship and all this stuff taking place and yet Peter looked at him and said, you're the Christ, the Son of God. This is the starting point because I want you to understand this. Our church exists to reach the least, the lost, and the lonely. Not because we think it's a good idea, but because that's who Jesus came to. There is never a time that you are too far away from God. There's never a time that you're too far away from God to receive Jesus as your Savior. But I want you to understand something bigger than that. The journey began up here for us because we want you to understand the church. The church is that. The church is kicking down the gates of Hades and saying, nothing, no, no weapon formed against me will prosper. I'm more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. And then everyone has this opportunity, the very base of the Jordan River, that I can have a new beginning no matter what my past is, that orgies and child worship and sacrifice and all this awful stuff that was taking place is where Jesus said, I came for these people. I came to seek and to save the lost. This will not prevail against my church. 
my kingdom come, my will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He, he was speaking to God the Father. And he says, that won't prevail. Nothing will prevail. And so today we're starting the journey with this thought. Who do you say Jesus is? Because that is the defining moment of your life and that will define everything about you. Because we're not here for, for personal preferences and, and our church doesn't exist so that we make everybody happy and we feed a bunch of meat to a bunch of people every single week. Our church exists because the gates of Hades will not prevail. And there are literally tens of thousands of people all around us. And Jesus said, I'll build my church on this rock and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. And that's what we want to see happen in your life. As you describe who Jesus is, you make him the Lord and Savior of your life. You see new beginnings take place all throughout your life. And you begin to see life more abundant take place that was God's will for every human being. That's why he sent Jesus. And that's why Jesus brought his disciples up here. So that life in his name could be a reality. And so we start the journey here. And this is going to be an awesome trip that we follow Jesus in his path of his earthly ministry here on earth. I need to know if anybody in here is excited about the reality of what Jesus did for you. Because some of y'all are a little bit excited and some of y'all are about to understand why you're going to be more excited in just a couple minutes. This is not a long sermon, but I need y'all to listen to what I'm saying right now. If y'all didn't put your Holy Ghost shoes on this morning, somebody, it's about to go down. So I need you to tap your neighbor and say, get ready. Come on. If no one's close to you, lean over and tap them and say, get ready. Get ready. Come on. Let me hear you say it. Say, get ready. Get ready. Okay. Now listen, I'm serious. I'm going to turn it up three notches from what you've ever seen me turn it up before because this message right here has just got me all tore up and, and I'm just ready to go. But I need y'all to get this. He is waiting on you. He loves you. He calls you by name, but he is waiting on you. He established his kingdom, not for your glory, but through you for his glory. And he's waiting on you. He's waiting on you. And most of you are waiting on him. And he's been saying, I'm here. I'm waiting on you. And you're asking God, forgive me for these things. And he's like, I forgave you a long time ago. I'm waiting on you. And you live a mundane life and you want to get out of the pit that you are currently in. And he's waiting on you. And you wish that miracles would happen in your life. And he's waiting on you. And so I just wonder in this place, I, I saw a few hands go up a minute ago, but I just wonder in this place. Whatever, whatever death or pit or whatever is in your life, is anybody willing to just let out a little shout? You don't have to scream at the top of your lungs, but let out a little shout if that's what you want in this place for your marriage, for your job, for your school, for whatever you are. Does anybody want that in this place? Yeah. Well, y'all better get ready because it's going down for real. Nobody? Okay, just me. It's going down. All right, Matthew chapter 16. I need y'all. I need y'all for real. This is fast, but goodness gracious I feel like this is the reality. Most of us define ourselves by what we did last week. Is anybody with me in this place today or am I by myself? Most of us define ourselves by I stink because I did. I, uh, oh, I'm great now. Look what I did. 
And it doesn't matter how many times a pastor preaches until the Holy Spirit gives you that gut punch and comes alive in you, this does not become your reality. Today, it is becoming your reality. All things are being made new today. I'm declaring it in Jesus' name, and you're about to find out why. Matthew chapter 16. Woo! Y'all better get ready because I'm telling you, I don't have caffeine this morning. I got Holy Ghost fiend. Somebody talk to me. Here we go. Matthew chapter 16, starting in verse 13. I talked about that on that video. The, the, the three-day journey had taken place. And I'm telling y'all, if we'd have had to walk where they walked, does anybody in here, be honest with me, do y'all like to hike? Who likes to go up mountains and hike on purpose when there is dirt bikes and four-wheelers that you can use them things? Come on, talk to me, somebody. It's like camping. I'm like, they make RVs that are really nice. Why are you in a tent? You're acting homeless and there's no need for it. But that's, that's another story for another day. Amen. Nobody? Okay. I just don't understand it, but y'all can go with me. But they walked for three days, and it's, it's terrible. It's mountainous and rocky, and that's with roads, by the way. So I'm pretty sure they didn't have the cars that we had 2,000 years ago. Anybody, are y'all with me today? And so, so they walked this three-day journey, and they get to the district of Caesarea Philippi, which is exactly where we showed you on the video. It's the northernmost part. It's, it's where Israel runs out. You get within, You get very close to the Syrian border. Which makes you feel good because nothing bad's happened in Syria recently. If y'all watch the news, somebody talked to me. Pew! You're just looking for missiles, right? <laughs> We're good. And then, and then you literally go into Lebanon. If you go up on top of that rock and you walk like 50 feet, it says, welcome to Lebanon on your cell phone. And you're like, nope, I'm coming back down <laughs> because Lebanon's not real safe either. And so you, you're at the, the very, very northern tip of Israel. And so why did Jesus walk up here? It, it, this is what it seems like to me. If I was God... I would have just stayed where I've done all my stuff. I mean, like, look, I'm in a church. I'm in the, the tabernacle. I'm in the temple. I can declare all of these things because I'm in the most holy place. And, and it's so illogical to go to the most unholy place at the time on the universe. Craziness was taking place. I'm going to show you a picture in a, a couple minutes of the temple and what it would have looked like and, and then the gates of hell. And it, no one does this. If that was around today, we would do like prayer rallies around it. We wouldn't go have a declaration of the church. Is anybody with me today? Is anybody with Would y'all go to Vegas in a strip club right now with me right now and say, we're going to declare the church in the strip club this morning? <laughs> no, no, y'all laugh. This was much worse. So now I need you to talk to me. Is anybody with me? There we go. All right, so they go up to Caesarea Philippi and ask his disciples, with all this chaos around them, y'all got a picture of Jesus standing there, maybe where I was, maybe a little farther up. And they said, okay, so who do all these people and who does everybody and even people that know about me? I need y'all to get that part. Lord have mercy, in the place that we live, everybody knows about Jesus, but so many people don't know Jesus because they don't step in and wait for Jesus, or they don't step in and know Jesus is going to. They're sitting at their house today waiting for Jesus to do a miracle, and they think that if they show up on Christmas and Easter, or, or, or maybe they give a little bit of money to a little bit of churches, that they'll be okay. That had nothing to do with any of it. It's his life coming alive in you. And so he says, who do they say I am? And then maybe who do you say I am? And, and people say... So he says, who did they say the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, and others say Elijah, and others say Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And then Jesus turned it on them, and I'm turning it on y'all. Not who do you tell your friends and what kind of t-shirt do you wear? Y'all know what I'm talking about? We'll wear the Christian t-shirts. What would Jesus do, right? We will do those kind of things. But I'm talking about in the bottom of your spirit, 
where the truth comes out. Who do you say the Lord of your life is? And this is what Peter said when he said, who do you say I am? Peter said, you're the Christ, the anointed one, the called out one, the Messiah, the one that has come to take away our sins of this world, the one that is the king of all kings and the Lord of all lords who is and who is to come. That is who you are. And he said, you're the son of the living God. You are alive, Jesus, not because you're standing here in flesh, but because you're the God man, Jesus Christ. And when he declared that with all that chaos going around, he stepped forward And he said that. Listen to what Jesus said in verse 17. He said, and Jesus looked at him and answered him, and I love this, blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah. For flesh and blood did not reveal this. Somebody, you need this today. Because you're waiting on a man to reveal something to you about God. And the man cannot, only the God-man through who left his spirit can reveal this to you. And he says, my father revealed this. He's the only one that can. And he left his Holy Spirit for us so that he can become alive in us. And no one has ever trusted Jesus because of a human being. God uses human beings. But only if the Holy Spirit interacts and comes to you and then you come to him and say, I need you. I know that you love me first. I want to love you back. That is how you know. And so many people are mad at God in their current circumstances, but have sat still and never trusted God in all their circumstances. And they're just waiting. You're waiting on God to do something, and you've never even made him Lord of your life. You can't even call him father. He can't even call you son or daughter. And until you establish who's the Lord over you and in you and through you and and every single step you make in your life without any exceptions, without any exceptions, without any exceptions is Jesus, then you just spin it on the wheel like a hamster, (laughs) and it's miserable. And I feel like that's the church. Not Four Points Church, the southeastern United States where it's so comfortable to come to church. And on Monday, we can say we're a Christian, followed by an F-bomb to our coworker who gets on our nerves. Come on, somebody needs to talk to me in this place. And we look at the people that cut us off, and we look at all these other things, and we're like, you're not important. And we don't believe God for stuff that's so big that it makes us embarrassed. We believe God for little things that just affect us. And we don't want to see God do a crazy move. We want to see God just sort of move. And it's because I just believe that the church of Jesus, which is where I believe is the greatest mission field in this area today because religion has taken hold. And we care about our stuff so much more than we care about his stuff. We care so much more about our preferences than we care about the preference that only one that matters, and that's Jesus, whose name is above all name and whose glory is shining about, and he's waiting for you to spread his fame and glory through all the earth. But, but that's not really what gets my needle turned, if y'all know what I'm talking about. It's other things in my life. And so when I answer this question, if I can just take a step back and be honest, maybe, maybe I'm not where Peter was at that moment. And listen to what Jesus said. And this is one of the most misrepresented scriptures across all religious people that, that claim Jesus is their savior. This is misrepresented disgustingly because they won't go to the original language and see what Jesus really was talking about. Because he says, I tell you, you are Peter. And that word means rock. And people immediately associate Peter with the rock because it means rock. But if you really look at it, it's pitar, which means pebble or small stone or something you could throw or something you could put in your pocket. And while that is very important and he was high and called up and he was 
a general in the army of the Lord when he set his church apart, and he was very, very important. There is only one who's truly important, and that's Jesus. And he said, listen, I'm going to build. You're, you're this. You're a pebble. And don't, and don't think that's not big. That's awesome. And you have been given a name that is above that name. You've been given the name that, that, that he's put in you. He's called you son and daughter. He's called you righteousness of God. He's called you his own. And don't think that that's not important. That's so important. But when we think that it's us that has to move the needle, we become miserable. And listen, I'm not talking about grow a big church. I'm talking about in your home. Pastor, I don't know what to do to make this right. Who's on the Lord of your throne and, and, and who, 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 like, uh, who's moving the needle in your house? And do you really believe that you're capable of miracles or do you believe that the God who's in you is capable of doing all things and that we can start believing God for bigger things than we ever dreamed of? And he says, you're Peter. You're the pebble. You're the, the rock. And that's not, that's not, but, but on this rock, and this is what I think happened. I think he pointed back to that, to that thing that we're going to show you in a second. He said, on this rock, I'll build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against that. Now look at this picture. This is what he did. He pointed back at this next, this next slide where the picture is. And this is the picture of what the word rock means. It's like a ledge. It's like this amazing footstool. It's, it is, um, it's not something you could pick up, and it's not even a boulder. It is an amazing cliff that is not going to be moved. And so he said, look, look, look. You see all this pagan crap that's going on right here? You see all this stuff that you're embarrassed by? I'm building my church, and it is my footstool now. That, those gates of that hell will never prevail against me. I am Jesus. And this is what most of us do. And if anybody would be honest with me this morning, I wouldn't be the only one preaching because y'all would talk back to me. Most of us define our lives by the hell that we're currently in. Anybody in here this morning? And what Jesus says right here is, listen, what hell you're currently in, I'll make my footstool. And it can be what we celebrate because I move past it. And you can rescue people right where they are in the hell that you're in. Because it's not what defines you. It's what I'm building on. And then you have to ask the other part of the question is, why would he choose here? And look, the next slide, it shows you the, this is what it really looked like. There was... So 2,000 years ago, the gates of hell was alive. It, had, it was like a geyser, and it smoked out. And then water would spew. And people in pagan worship literally believed that they should worship there. And I'm telling you, this is gross, and, but they would sacrifice their own children and throw them into. The back of this temple was wide open, and it went back into the gates, and they would do these weird practices, and they would throw children into the gates of hell. Weird, gross. Like, I can't even, my stomach starts churning when I talk about it because it is so much worse than anything we can imagine. And yet we shoot people in abortion clinics, don't we? Because we're religious and we love Jesus. So that's what Jesus would want us to do. Jesus who stood at this place that they were throwing alive children in a place. And they were literally having on these steps orgies. And I'm not talking about husband and wife. I'm talking about just group grossness taking place. There is no way we're stepping foot up there. And he said, no, no, no. That's who I'm coming for. <laughs> no, no. What you did last night. What you define yourself by, that's not how I look at you. I look at you as sons and daughters of the king. 
I'm waiting on you to come to me. I won't move without you. And most of us continue to define ourselves by all that we're not. And he's waiting for you to believe all that he is. Come on, somebody. That's a good word right there. I'm waiting on y'all to preach with me because God's waiting on you to receive what he's got for you this morning. Is anybody in this place? He said, listen, I have built a shelf on my rock. The stone the builders rejected has now become the cornerstone, me, Jesus. And they're building their house upon the sand, and this sand is going to fall. But you can build your house upon the rock, and this rock will never move. There will be people that kill him, and they did. And he went down and tricked them. He said, guess what? You thought you had me, but I've kicked down the gates of death and hell. And I took the keys. And it's now your job because I'm handing them to you. And we're about to read that in a second. Because I'm not, we're not staying here. And listen, in this place that was filthy, he established his church, his bride, the one that he loves more than anything. He loves the bride of Jesus Christ. And that's every one of you. So much. And he's just waiting on you to look at him and say, I love you back. I love you back. You're my conquering king. You're the king of all kings. I love you back. I don't know why you still want me to call or you still want to call me son after all that I've done, but you do, and you're awesome, and I love you in this place. And he's ready. Listen, he's ready to do things that would blow your mind if you started believing. And the funny thing is in the next chapter, in the next chapter, literally six days after this, up the same mountain that they were on, he goes and transfigures with just three of them. He comes back down and he says this, why don't y'all still believe if you had faith of a mustard seed, you could look at that mountain and say, move from here to there. You can look at that mountain that's in your life right now and say, move from here to there, but you can't do it as long as you're telling everybody about the hell that's in your life and not declaring it's under your feet because it's under the feet of the Savior in your life and he's made this, he's made this yours. Listen, it's not about you. It's about the Savior of God who is in you. It's about the Holy Spirit who's in you and then this is what he says in the next verse and I'm telling you right now, this is where I start doing cartwheels because I hadn't even started yet. Somebody, come on. I will give you Ah, Jesus, the rock that we've built this on, that's now your footstool. What used to define you is what you stand on and what you declare with. I'm giving you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And see, many people hear kingdom of heaven and they think, so I'm supposed to go up there, like do something weird. <clears throat> this don't even make sense. <clears throat> no, no, no. The kingdom of heaven is you and it's here and it's now and it's what he's establishing and don't miss this. Somebody say kingdom. kingdom. He, he says, I'm giving you the keys. They're the same keys that he went a few months later and robbed from the literal hell. They're the same place. He says, I'm, I'm taking them out and I'm going down into hell. And I'm taking the keys out. And then I'm, I'm going to give them to you. Have y'all ever noticed, by the way, looking at the gates and then looking at the keys. How often we define what we can't be because like, I just, I, I, I just want to cry when I hear people say, this world is just, it's getting so bad. Anybody, have y'all said it before? I have. Have y'all ever, I just don't know what we're going to do. Where's God in all of this? He's in you. 
Come on, somebody. And he gave you the keys, and he's waiting on you. And guess what? No enemy has ever set up a gate so that they can get all of you in. The enemy sets the gate up to keep you out. And he says, I'm going to give you the key. You don't even have to keep, kick it down. You just lock it open. Oh, boom, boom. I come in and then get them out because I'm waiting for you. I'm waiting for you. And we sit in our seats week after week and we say, when is the pastor going to give me a good message? When is that worship team going to do something? And I'm asking you, when are you going to get up out of your seat and declare above the name that is all names that I'm going to do this? He won't move without me. And I'm ready to see God move up in this place. Because the ones of you that are still in your seats do not surprise me. And the ones of you that are up do not surprise me. But it's not about standing or sitting. It's about right here in your heart. And it's about whether or not you really believe he can move. And I'm telling you right now, I believe this more than I believe anything in this world right now. He's Lord. And he doesn't do miracles in his church because we fold our arms or scratch our head or go to sleep on the job. And I'm not talking about for one hour in a service, so don't miss the whole point of that, please. I'm not talking about where you currently sit. I'm not talking about online where you currently are. I'm talking about when you're at your desk at work, we're asleep at the wheel. And we've taken these keys, y'all know what I'm talking about, and we've put them up somewhere like we do with our own keys, and we can't even find them anymore. Jesus didn't die so that I'd miss hell. And that is an amazing thing that I get to receive heaven and miss hell. But that's not the only reason he died. He died so the earth can be filled with his glory. And when you trusted him, he put his glory on you. And when you move, the earth is filled with his glory when you do it in Jesus' name. And that's why the church exists. Not just four points, but that's why every church is supposed to exist. And then listen, he says, and whatever. Somebody say whatever. Yeah. Not some of the things, not maybe, hopefully, someday. Maybe, whatever you bind on earth will be, shall be, not might be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven or let go. Am I the only one that thinks that sounds like a really good idea that I should be in tune with God and it should be all about him and I should start leaning in and say, you know what, if I have the keys to the kingdom and I'm able to bind and loose and I'm knocking on doors with my head and wondering why God's not opening them, God's got some amazing doors he's waiting to open for you. But he's waiting on you. And you've been beating your head against the wall, beating your head against the wall. <laughs> the key's over there. You got it when you got saved. Pick it up and start believing God for the miracles. It's not on you. He's in you. The miracle is already inside of you and waiting to bust out. And most of us, we live an entire lifetime and don't start sweating and acting crazy and saying, I don't care what they think or they think or they think. I believe this about God. And so let me teach you one thing real quick. Kingdom, kingdom, kingdom. A kingdom is... is the kingdom of heaven is literal because it's you. And a king is known for his territory. Did y'all know that? Somebody talked to me in here. Did y'all know that a king, how great you are, is known for how much territory you take? And I just wonder, and I've been wondering, how is our king known? If it's based on the territory he takes, how is our king known? And a kingdom has to have a king. And ours has a king that's above all kings. And then a kingdom has to have a people. And you're the royal family <laughs> of God. Did you know that every word that Jesus spoke 
while he was on earth was to teach you and establish a government in his kingdom so that you could walk with authority, not your authority. You're a man or you're a woman. But when you have the Holy Spirit of God in you and his presence is coming off of you, when you say things, things will not be listened to quite the same because wisdom will begin to flow out of you that you don't naturally have. And God will open doors in your life because you're believing him for stuff and you go, whoa, why is that? Why is this? What's happening? And I think if God could just come in flesh and talk to us, he'd say, because you believed and because I gave you the keys and because this is my destiny for you, you're finally believing it. And so many of us live helpless lives like we can't have a choice. That's not your destiny. But he is waiting for you to lean in. That does not mean Easy Street is coming to your house. Jesus said, listen, in this life, you're going to face trials and tribulations of many kinds, but take heart. I've overcome the world, and those trials and tribulations are about to be my footstool also. And it's going to be your testimony for how we reach this world with the gospel of Jesus. And listen, I'm just going to start telling y'all some of the things that I'm believing God for before I finish, and it's about to get good. Friday, I got to go to DR Hill and um, do a little FCS, and we've partnered with them. And there's some amazing teachers that, that go to this church and that go to other churches that are loving the kids at that school. And we had, I don't know how many, but it was over 100 students Friday morning, and they were locked in. And here's what I prayed. And here's what I believe they're going to start believing for. I prayed over them that every student and teacher in that school would trust Jesus Christ as Savior. Listen, not because Pastor Mark or Pastor Jordan start going in there and loving on them, but because a group of people start raising up as an army, a kingdom army for the king that's above all kings. And they start believing stuff that people say, you can't believe that big. That's a little bit too big. You know what? My God's bigger than that mountain that you're looking at. And I believe that he's going to move and he might move without you, but he's not moving without me. Come on, somebody. I'm ready to go up in this mug right now. And I'm believing it for, for the schools all around us and all around the communities around you. But and here's why. The message doesn't stay here. The message leaves with you. And this message is all about an army that God's raising up. Not a bigger church, not a bigger choir, not a bigger this, not a bigger that, but an army that he's raising up in you. And the reason that we want more people to come here is not so people know my name, but through my name, if they happen to know that, they'll know the name that's above every name, the name of Jesus. This is building a kingdom army. We're not trying to build a big church. We're trying to build a movement of God. We'll take other churches with us. It's not about this church. The church exists for the kingdom of God to be made known through the world. And the earth is filled with his glory. And then Jesus did something interesting. The Beatitudes were taught to us in Matthew 5 and then the Sermon on the Mountain 6 and 7. And I need y'all to know that was like a kingdom declaration on the side of a mountain. And the disciples heard him teach chapter 5. And it's an amazing chapter, Matthew chapter 5. And he's, they get to this part and they were like, we heard all this. We heard all this. Teach us how to pray. Teach us how to pray. You can just skip that next one, Zach, and go to Matthew 6. Here's what it says. Jesus is like, okay, pray like this. Our Father. I'm about to go. Our Father. Y'all ever pray? Oh, God. <laughs> Do you hear me? That's not what that is. He says, God! Your name is great! 
It is greatly to be praised. Your name is above all name. Your name is the King of kings and Lord of lords. The power and the might and the will. And I don't care what hell I've gone through this week. You're greater than that. And I don't care all these other things. You're greater than that. And I believe that your name should be hallowed and amazing and above all things. And I'm going to think of that first before I think of this that's behind me. Because you're already above it and you're worth praising. And he starts with that. God, your name is great. You're a good, good father. Like, Pastor, I had a bad relationship with my father, the only father that you ever need. Loves you so much, he sent his own son to call you son or daughter. Come on, somebody, that's good news. And he says, I just want you to call me daddy back. That's what that word literally means, Abba. It's like when our little kids call us daddy and look at us and just want us to pick them up. And then... Here's what Jesus declared to his people, and it's for you today. He says, your kingdom come. Not maybe if it be your will, because if you pray that, I'm not mad at you, I love you. But if you pray, Lord, if it's your will, and you start backpedaling when you pray, you're not praying what Jesus prayed. Jesus prayed, this is to establish your king. Listen, this is what I pray. I'm just letting y'all in. Anytime I'm praying for something big, this is what I say. God, your reputation's on the line, not mine. I could care less what these people think about me, but I'm praying that you do this, and you do this, and you do this, and if they hear it, they're going to think it's crazy, but if you hear it, that door starts opening up because you said, ask and you'll receive, seek and you'll find, and knock and the door shall be open to you, somebody. I'm telling you right now, he said, your kingdom come, and your will be done. Not maybe, not hopefully, but he said, your kingdom come. Why? You gave me the keys. Your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. And so for every person that is praying, God, I just wish you'd take me home. Lean in and listen to what I'm saying this morning. He's not ready for you to come home and go to heaven. He wants you to establish heaven here as it is in heaven. Here on this earth, he's waiting for you. He's waiting for you to lean in. And there's going to be hells that you got to go through and sin still in the world. But he wants to establish his glory here as it is in heaven. And he says, you said this, so I'm putting it on you, God. Here is in heaven. And I'm not talking about a bigger house. And I'm not talking about a better car. I'm talking about us as a people raising up an army and believing God's going to move. And all of DR Hill and all of Florence Chapel and all of any school that you're in and your workplace and everybody is going to come to know Jesus. Why? Because the king's reputation's on the line. And the reputation is how much territory does he have? And I'm declaring all of this is his territory in Jesus' name. And then listen, he says, you're with it. And then he said, listen, Give us this day, not maybe please, hopefully, give us this day what we need, our daily portion, Lord. And at the end of chapter 6, he said, you don't have to worry about tomorrow, I got that covered, bro, ma'am. You worry about today, and you can declare in Jesus' name because it is his will. We already know that, what I need today. And forgive us where we forgive others and we need to pump the brakes. That's a whole message in itself. Come on, somebody, because we keep bringing up the past. And he doesn't bring up the past. He doesn't hold your past sins against you. And to get over that hurdle that you believe in, for it to become the footstool, it's got to be forgiven. And then pressed down, and then it's gone because the king of all kings has forgiven you for everything. And he says, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Because evil's out there. But greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world because his is the kingdom. This is what most translations say. And the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. His is the kingdom. 
He's not asking you to build his kingdom. He's asking you to get out of your own way and stop being the God of your own universe. And let the earth be filled with his glory that you, and every word that you speak, every step that you take, every dollar that you give, everything that you do is to build his kingdom. Every time you speak to your wife, every time you speak to your husband, you say, no weapon formed against me will prosper. Why? Because I'm a king's son. I'm a king's daughter. I don't have to be what you say that I am. And the earth is going to be filled with this guy if nothing else. And I'm going out and I'm not staying here. And whatever it is that God has made your platform, at a gas station, at a school, in a construction ditch, wherever you are, at hospitals, at home because you are stuck, is your social media and your mouth and your text messages filling the earth with his glory or trying to establish your kingdom because everybody knows it and God has ripped my heart out and said no more because out of a bitter spirit will come bitterness and it will cover a people but when the Holy Spirit rips it out and changes everything and says I'm making all things new and whatever used to define you, I'm making all things new. Come on, somebody. I'm making all things new. And I'm waiting on you. I'm waiting on you. I feel like the Holy Spirit wants me to tell you this. And if the Holy Spirit moves you, you just keep standing. This past Wednesday, I got to experience something that blew my mind in a room about this size. 700 people filled in one of my best friend's churches and where he's the pastor, and I was just so blown away by the Spirit of God that moved. He moved so ever-present, and I just was shocked because it happened because a people of craziness who looked jacked up, who didn't look the part, they just came in like ravenous, bloodthirsty beasts. But they weren't bloodthirsty for sin. Man, they were bloodthirsty for the king to stir their city and start believing God. And as God is my witness, he did miracles in the house that night. But what I'm excited about for them is I believe he's just building a platform so that they can take that land. And God spoke to me in the middle of that watching that. And I was emotional and I was overwhelmed. And he said, Mark, it's never been on you. It's been in you. Go deliver that message to your people. Go deliver that message, more importantly, to my children who are in my kingdom, who are my royal family, and say... It's on you. This is what I left with, and this is what I told our staff, and this is what I was so broken about as your pastor. I'm just being honest with y'all this morning. I've said umpteen times, if I had their building, if I just had their stuff, if I had their weekly offering, and that church has much less things, much lesser facilities, much less stuff in their kids area and their stuff's not quite as nice as ours but they had one thing they had the spirit of God more present than I've ever seen before and it wasn't my buddy Tab's message that shifted the room but it was there leaning in and saying we won't move without you and you won't move without us and we're ready to establish a kingdom and here's my declaration to you guys this morning I love you with the love of the Lord this is, I promise you, this is not about any one person. 
But if you aren't ready to move and you've been in this house for months and years, then we're going to move without you. We're going to move without you. If it takes five people and me and we meet in a box, I believe the Spirit of God is so powerful that He will take this entire land and He's called me out and He said, this is what we're going to do. And I just wonder in this place, and this is not intended to be motivational. This is intended for the Holy Spirit of God to do something crazy in your life. I just wonder in this place, who's ready to sit under the army and the commander of heaven's army who's Jesus and say, we're ready, we're moving, and let's go. We're going to take this whole land for the cause of Jesus Christ. And I don't care what anybody thinks, I'm ready to go. We're making a declaration, Lord Jesus, that we're ready to move and we're ready to see you do things that we can't even imagine. And Lord, this is all about you. So here's what I'm asking you to do. We're about to sing a song that I love and I think it's so perfect for today. I, I, I think that Shannon does a great job picking out our songs, but this is an anointed message that God has for us because it is Hallelujah. You have won the victory. And all those battles in your life are already defeated in Jesus' name. And I'm asking y'all right now, this may be uncomfortable to you, just do it, don't worry about it. If you can walk and you can move, fill this altar and move out of your comfort zone and scream and yell and make noise and lift up a shout of praise because God loves the praise of his people and loves to meet you where you are and for your homes and for your neighborhoods and for everything. Let's make this our altar of declaration. This church doesn't save you. This word doesn't save you. The Holy Spirit of God moves you to where he wants you to go. And I'm just asking you all to move out and fill this whole down front. Everybody that wants to move, come right now.